Report for July 30th, 2014. We've got a great show tonight. Brendan Post is back from promoting his film Spaces and Reservations across Canada, and so he will be here in a few minutes to tell us about it. We've got a very cool guest, Vibrato, the human vibrator, will be here to tell us about the documentary No Joke playing this weekend at the Rio Theatre, and John will be here from the UBC band Jaguar. He'll join us with Rohit a bit later, so stay tuned. Hi everybody, thanks for listening. Hi Sahar. Hi. How's it going this Good. week at CITR? How are you? Good. So we've got a lot to talk about, but you went to something this week, you said. Yes, I went to the free outdoor movies that are being featured on Stanley Park, and I watched Mean Girls. So I don't know really anything about that film. Has it got Reese Witherspoon you have in it? No. <laughs> no, no, no. Okay, sorry. Um, it's got Lindsay Lohan. Okay, and right. Tina Fey. Okay. And what's her name? Rachel McAdams. Okay. Yeah, so quite a cast, and it's, it's one of those um, classic chick flicks, but it's one of those movies that, like, makes fun of the genre. Yeah. So it's really witty and it's really funny. And um, I watched it when I was a lot younger. So it was nice watching it again because I feel like I understood the some of the jokes that I didn't when I was younger. So mm-hmm. yeah, it was a lot of fun. Yeah, totally. And what mm-hmm. was it like kind of watching it outside? Or um, It was great. I mean, at first it was kind of, um, it was disappointing in the sense that we arrived an hour and a half early, earlier, earlier than... Um, we were planning but um just to make sure we'd get enough space to set up and like have enough space for our food and our blanket and everything but it was all filled up there were five thousand people there it was no insane. kidding five no i think so yeah like but a huge amount of people it was a huge amount of people and there was a playground in the back as well and people were sitting over there and like it was crazy and did they all pay attention like when the movie yeah, was on everyone was silent well relatively silent um they were all pretty engrossed in the movie once it started and like people were like sh- shouting out dialogue and like oh laughing at the same God. time so it was, it was really good were there um, porta potties no oh, we good. just well they maybe but i just used the stanley park bathroom right so. sorry i maybe just I shouldn't say that on air no no <laughs> sorry i just yeah. i have this now porta potty oh, thing and yeah. i had a pretty bad experience at the folk festival yeah there were a say. lot of bugs and yeah like, I think 50% of the time, me and my roommates were complaining about, oh, this is so disgusting. And yeah. Like, yeah, but overall, it was a good experience. Um, it was nice watching the movie in an outdoor setting, because it was mm-hmm. right underneath the stars. And yeah. It was really nice. So. Stanley Park is so beautiful. So is it like an ongoing mm-hmm. thing every week? Yeah, or? I think until the 2nd of September, they have a weekly movie every Tuesday. And it's on Second Beach. And I think the next movie is Dumb and Dumber. Okay, that yeah. might be worth seeing. Yeah. Um, I would say it, it's best to be prepared and bring um, sunscreen and um, insect repellent and food and all that stuff. Because we, we went there without um, without a blanket or anything. And it mm-hmm. got really cold at night. So, oh, yeah, cool. we ended up leaving a little early. But, yeah, it's better to be prepared when you're going to one of these outdoor venues. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm going to an outdoor thing on Friday night in Langley. It's like a free Shakespeare um, play outdoors. Um, so my friend invited me, so I'm really looking forward to it. We're getting a picnic, and I haven't seen her in a long time. Um, but Julius Caesar, so I'm really excited to see that. Oh. I've been digging the Shakespeare. I haven't read that one. Yeah, no, neither have I. All mm. I know is brutal assassination, you know, oh. I kind of 
it's kind of my thing. <laughs> Ides of March, March 15th, Julius Caesar. So yeah, I'm looking forward to that. But we must move forward. Um, so no joke, that movie about unfunny comedians. So I think it was, it's about a year old, but they're showing it again as sort of a fundraiser for the filmmaker um, to help him make his new film, Camp Death 3, The Final Summer, which I guess is a horror slasher flick. Um, but No Joke is a, a really hilarious documentary. I just watched it last night, so I'm really excited um, to, t- to talk to vibrato the human vibrator i don't even know where to start um matt frame is my friend he's the writer director and he was sort of famous for um doing baghdad or bust which was a an award-winning film um made around 2003 and he and his friends went on this kind of insane road trip through the middle east and made it into baghdad at a time during the u.s invasion um and so armed with a microphone says director matt frame self-effacing and sardonic wit wins the day with his parody of michael moore's filmmaking style so check that out baghdad or bust um but then he made one no joke and i guess there's quite a story behind it um but it's basically about you know um three comedians so they're just like vancouver stand-up comedians vancouver's not known for having a great stand-up scene but i guess these guys are sort of like among the worst of their genre and um matt decided to take them on a road trip kind of this this holy grail of going down to la to the laugh club or comedy club down in la where they 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 kind of perform for this scouting guy who made the career of a lot of famous comedians so um and so it's quite hysterical, the different characters. But you know what? I'm, I'm going to let human... And the human vibrator is like the road manager. But he also dresses like in this vibrating suit and, and hugs women. So I'm just going to stop talking because I want the human vibrator to do the talking about the film. Um, so I'm going to get him on the phone. But I'm just going to play a song while we get him on the phone. This is Super Chunk. Because uh, Merge Records is a very famous indie rock label from North Carolina. And they put out a lot of amazing albums, including Destroyer from Vancouver. And they had their 25-year anniversary party this week. I didn't really know everything um, that was playing, but it was like a three-night thing. So Super Chunk, I don't know if they played, but they're a Merge band. So I'm going to play their song, Slack motherfucker sorry about that um this is a good song and when we come back we will have vibrato the human vibrator on the line stay tuned to the arts report on citr 101.9 fm
listening to CITR 101.9 FM. You're listening to the Arts Report. Vibrato, are you there? I'm here. Yay. Okay. Awesome. So I just saw No Joke last night and I was laughing out loud. You know, when you're just laughing out loud by yourself at home. And then I went to bed and I was still actually laughing and smiling to myself as I was falling asleep because there's some really great moments in the film. So why don't you kind of give us an overview of the film um, and then we can sort of dig down a little bit. And then I want you to talk to me about your vibrating self. Sure. Uh, no Joke is a movie about three Vancouver comedians who were generally not accepted as being funny by audiences here in Vancouver. Uh, most comedians uh, who worked regularly didn't think they uh, had a lot of talent. And uh, Matt uh, Frame, who directed the film, decided, you know, why don't I make a, a movie about these guys instead of just making another movie about comedians? We'll, we'll focus on comedians who are who are trying to make it and uh, just just really aren't doing that well. Uh, and these guys, you know, were up front with them. We told them, you know, we're going to make a movie about unfunny comedians. How do you feel about that? And he says, well, that we're fine with that. We think we're funny, and we're going to prove to you that we are. So we gave them the opportunity by creating a road trip uh, from Vancouver down to uh, Los Angeles. Uh, we stopped at small venues, uh, like a laundromat in San Francisco, just really strange places to play. And uh, I, um, I was their tour manager going on stage introducing them. And then they uh, got to a chance to audition for um, Jamie Masada at uh, the Laugh Factory in Hollywood. And uh, that was, uh, was kind of their big break. So that was, you know, to see if they uh, get the thumbs up as funny or thumbs down as not. So who, uh, who's so Jamie it's, it's, Masada? He uh, was sort of the yeah, guru guy, right? That you guys were like headed towards him. Yeah. And yeah. He's, he's been uh, one of the main comedy uh, owners and people that started a lot. The person started a lot of careers off in Hollywood. Uh, he's had that club. He's owned that club for, for probably 30 years and, um, a lot of people in the industry know him, and he's well, very well respected. So if he says, come back in, in, in a few weeks, and, you know, he thinks you're funny and thinks you can make it. And uh, if he says, you know, come back in, in a, a year, he says, well, maybe not. Maybe you got a lot of work to do. Mm-hmm. So that was, that was kind of the, the crux of it is, is what, what did this guy think who's been in the industry so long and has a lot of clout and knows what's going on? What, what did this guy as opposed to just regular Vancouver Vancouver audiences think. Yeah. Um, also, the, the, the kind of the interesting thing about this movie, to me, wasn't so much the comedy, but finding out more about the people and, and what they're like and, and why they do what they do. Uh, finding out about these three comedians and, and the journey that, that they, they were going on. Well, they were total characters. I mean, just to kind of lay it out, there was um, DJ, who's a bit right. down and out, kind of an edgy guy. Sure. Not very funny. Um, then there was um, James Brown, who who kind of hit his stride, I would say, on the road trip, becoming sort of more like very confident and, and not without talent. I thought he was actually quite talented, um, but but a little overconfident, maybe. Yep, definitely. And then there was Ali, who was just lovable um, and seemed to have a bit of fragility to his personality and he was actually you know sort of his 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 jokes 
you know, I, I think I that's caused the most emotional reaction in me because, you know, I felt protective of him. And then he was going up there and his material was just, I don't know, could you describe his material? Offensive. It was... Uh, beyond, as, beyond offensive. Humor. Yeah. Yeah, so it's, it's basically his stuff is, is to be as offensive and, and outrageous, you know, Andrew Dice Clay type of thing uh, as possible. And he's not, he's not that person. And uh, it's it's that's what I mean. It's kind of interesting to find to find the real people behind behind the uh, on stage persona. Yeah, but it was even more like it was what he said was into the realm of like it wasn't just shocking. It was into the the realm of complete unacceptability, right to the point. Right. But and but he didn't have any like a negative. Like he would just deliver it in this kind of super deadpan weird style and it was like yeah not funny at all like talking about things like pedophilia and just sent the audience into like you know surprised he didn't get beat up yeah i know to me it's it's kind of like you know i'm gonna try and be as as shocking and and provocative and and offensive as i possibly can and want to get that reaction or people are are like angry yeah i almost wondered if he was a bit masochistic by the end like is he trying to get a negative reaction? Yeah, it's some I, kind you know, of it's, pleasurable I think it's thing. Also a therapeutic thing. It's like going through what what you feel. I mean, I used to teach comedy and or improv, and uh, students would ask me, uh, "Well, Sean, can can you teach me to be funny?" And I said, "Well, you know, being funny it, it takes years of psychological abuse and torture." And, <laughs> I just don't have that kind of time. Right. Yeah. No, and I, I don't and, and, and I think we're sounding serious here as we kind of analyze the characters, but like it, it was hysterically funny as these guys go out on the road together and these you know, and, and it's funny because not that much happened yet it seemed to have this this kind of like, you know, the motel sixes and yeah. um you know, just the, the little things that they did and their kind of mini dramas and um it was hysterical. Yeah, there was, there was kind of um, a failure after failure of, of things going wrong and, and trying to deal with it, and that's part of the charm of the movie. It's, yeah, it's, and also Matt... Stuff. It's not even that, that big a deal. Like, that was just a small part of it. Yeah, and Matt's, uh, like, Matt Frame, the writer-director, yeah. did a sort of narration, too, and his voice, I thought, really upped the humor, right, as he had his sort oh, of take definitely. on what was happening. Yeah, Matt is very funny. He's a very funny guy, um, and so yeah, without that, it would it would really it definitely added a, a new flavor to it. And, and it, in terms of like the way I was involved, is we we there were four comedians initially who were going to take on the road, and one of them uh, couldn't get into the states, so we had to change it to three. But this other comedian that couldn't go was just so different and out there and unique that Matt thought, well. You know, we need we need something else to, uh, to contrast with these guys, and something that that'll give it an extra edge to it. And he said, "Can you can you be vibrato on stage and be their tour manager's vibrato?" I said, "Yeah, sure, why not?" And and for the uh, listeners who don't know, um, vibrato is, uh, is a character I have that's a, a human vibrator. I actually have um, a suit that um, that vibrates uh, so I, when I hug you it gives you a vibrating massage <laughs> and this uh, Sunday when we have our um, our show at the Rio um, it's uh, I'll be debuting now vibrato 6.1 so it's 
the latest version. It's a it's a completely new suit. Oh my God! I'm gonna. Can I get a hug from you? Oh, for sure. Yeah, I'll be giving you a free massage, vibrating massage. Oh my God! Are I, you gonna be wearing the red ginch as well? No, I'm. Yeah, no, I'm not. I'm not. Uh, this suit is is a uh, one piece, so it, oh. it covers the um the genitals. So it's, there's no um. <laughs> Damn. Uh, this is not not that um, strap on that I I had uh, for the um, the TV show for the travel show that I was doing, but uh, you know, it, so it's it's something I can wear in public, but it still feels good. Yeah. Whoa. Um. Well, I was just gonna say the human vibrator was this element of absolute absurdity, which you know just upped right. the humor, right? And can I say with lightheartedness that you're the worst tour manager ever? Like, or, or did they play that up? Like, oh, getting lost, losing sure, the car, yeah. you know. Um, and I, 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 you know, I never really had any aspirations of being a tour manager <laughs> or any knowledge or any idea of how to do that. So but it was like, that definitely came through. I was just thinking, just even laughing to myself today, like, what a motley crew, you know, out there on the road. Um, right. Just brilliant. And uh, um, what was I going to say? That there's sort of a film within the film of, of, uh, sorry, was it Robert Brown? No. Who's the, James. who's it? James Brown. Sorry. Yeah. James yeah, Brown kind of makes a music video with his friend yeah. and it's, and they're like in the Mac children's area of McDonald's. And, and I was like, is this tongue in cheek? I don't think it is. And yeah, anyways. I think they were, they were, they were being genuine, but it's still, it's still really funny. And, uh, that's yeah. That's something to to pay attention for for the end of the film. We, yeah, we have. it's a. I think it's a brilliant film, and I think everyone should see it. And we'll talk a little bit about the event details. But um, sort of at the end, you know, it's sort of like they're going to see this guru, and it's sort of with these unexpected results. And I thought it was interesting because DJ was seemed troubled, and at the end, he got kind of the highest ranking. Um, from Jamie Masada, and it seemed to be quite transformative for him in that he felt very validated. And the yeah, one you well, thought might get the most, like that might have the most star power, James Brown actually got kind of the bum's rush. It's true, and, and uh, that was surprising as the film laid it out, and um, I'm kind of disappointed that DJ never really pursued that. You know, he ne he didn't go back, unfortunately. And, was he serious, um, though, do you think? I thought there was, like, a little, I don't know. I mean, I I thought there was, I don't know. I'm not going to say my theory, actually, over the yeah. about w what that was about. But um, now tell me, because something else happened. There's, like, a story that, is there that a story that happened after this film was completed? Sure, sure. Well, um, DJ was not happy at all with the way he was... Um, he came he came out which is weird because the, the director did something different i've never seen anyone do this but he, while he was he was editing this film he kept us all informed on the footage and what was going out and all the interviews and he he made sure we were were comfortable with it and he played the film in its entirety before we submitted it to any festivals at all and at that point dj all of a sudden did a 180 and, and just went, he went crazy and, and didn't want the film being shown. And he had a lawyer friend in, in Toronto helping him out. And there was communications with the festivals. I, I don't know how many festivals they reached out to, but um, it really affected uh, our ability to, uh, to screen this film. 
so, so they phoned the film festivals he, and said we don't want this shown and they created a yeah, stink and yeah, said we'll and sue you lawsuits like saying that they don't have the rights to, even though he did you know he he signed um agreements that uh would allow would allow us to to use his image and he's, he's like trying to renege on that say no i i just i don't agree anymore and it's like well you can't do that after the fact you know it's not everything is going to be a hundred percent positive when you're making a film about three people that uh we say are not funny so yeah and i mean it was it was i thought it was i mean there was elements that you felt a bit cringy you know what i mean yeah. like are they being made fun of but at the same time it was a very human story i i actually thought dj was portrayed very well there was only that one part where he kind of got angry on camera that you could see the darker side of him i'm surprised you know that and then did he make death threats yeah yeah, yeah, he made death threats. He did all kinds of things, and he actually physically assaulted um, another comedian who who was interviewed uh, on camera about DJ, one of his ex roommates. Right. So, yes, that was right. The ex roommates. I mean, they were characters too. Oh my God! So what happened? Did he finally just cool down, or? Um, I, no, I mean, he. We just don't communicate with him. Um, he he never really. I've tried and tried to to reason with him, to talk with him, but he just wasn't wasn't going to be uh, on board. He was very stubborn about it. And, you know, to this day, I'm sure he's just doesn't want anything to do with the film and doesn't want the film to be shown. And um, I, I'd be, I, I wouldn't be surprised if he, he shows up and, and starts to tell people not to come. But uh, we're, we've changed it um, where we're not even going to be charging a set price for admission. Now um, the admission for the film is by, by donation, by your choice. So... Um, you know, if you don't have a lot of money, whatever you can, a dollar or two, that's fine. You can come August 3rd at uh, at 9 p.m. At, at the Rio and, and come see. Uh, now, Joe will be promoting our uh, our new feature film, which is going to be hilarious, uh, called Camp Death Camp Death 3. Well, I'm going to come because I want a hug from you. And I know you said in the film, like, your your sole mission in life is to bring pleasure to women. Yeah, that's what it's all about. I, I, I'm a human vibrator because I uh, I like to please and I like to, to make make people happy. So that's what it's about. Awesome. Well, it was so great to talk to you. And thanks to you and thanks for Matt for, to Matt Frame for setting it up and making this great film. And I really encourage everyone to see it. Okay, Sarah, I appreciate it. Thank you very much. Yeah, and, uh, my pleasure. So I'll talk to you soon. I'll t- I got a okay. hug from you on Sunday. Great. Okay, awesome. Right. Thanks. So do check out No Joke, the documentary. It's at the Rio Theater this August 3rd at 9 p.m. Um, it's pay what you can, so there's no excuse not to come out and see this film. I highly recommend it. Now, we've got Brendan Prost here to talk about Spaces and Reservations. He went way out of his way today to come, so we'll be back after these public service announcements with Brendan. Stay tuned.
Limited, High Life Records, People's Co-op Bookstore, Audio Pile Records, Bad Bird Media, Band Merch Canada, Vancouver Music Gallery, and Pandora's Box Rehearsal Studios. To find out more, visit us in room 233 of the sub on the UBC campus or go online to citr.ca. Hi, we're back on CITR. Sorry, there was a bit of dead air. I had the, the um, little slider things turned down. So we're back with Brendan Proust here to talk about spaces and reservations. Hello, Sarah. Thank you for having me back. Oh, my pleasure. Now, when were you last here? Um, it was probably two weeks out from our Vancouver premiere, which was May 20th. So it had been like the middle of May. Okay. And I'm sorry I didn't make it to your screening. I felt so bad. I, I just looked got for so you. tired. I, I know we all get tired. I get tired <laughs> of people not coming to my screen. Oh, okay. <laughs> That's okay. Um, I have news for you to share. So okay. That, that'll be relevant to people who missed it. Okay, which is? Well, the news is basically if you missed your chance to see the movie in Vancouver or Calgary or wherever, um, we are offering a private screen of the film online um, by request. So if you email spacesfilm at gmail.com okay. and just say, hey, Brendan, I missed it. I really want to see the movie. Um, we'll send you a link to a private screener and a password. And all we ask is that people just post their comment or their reaction and their review of the film somewhere online okay. where other people can be inspired to check it out. Okay, so. definitely. And, and I mean, yeah, the romance thing is a bit sensitive. So I'll see it as soon as I feel I, psychologically able. Believe me, I feel you. <laughs> I really feel you. So let, now you you... So last time you were here, you talked about the film. It was screening. You just made it. You'd worked very hard to make it, very diligently. I remember being very impressed by the amount of work you put into it. So just review for us a synopsis of the film. Well, basically, uh, Spaces and Reservations is a very intimate, very realistic, performance-intensive relationship drama about this young couple that begins to suffer a malaise in their relationship, and, and as they grow apart, become interested in other people, and are torn apart the, by the experience of being unfaithful to each other. Um, so it's a movie, it's a, my third micro-budget feature film that I made uh, in between semesters at film school uh, with just a group of fledgling professional actors and uh, uh, my peers from film school uh, over the course of uh, 16 days. Mm-hmm. And if I recall from the trailer, I, I remember feeling it was like really well done. Um, and I think people agreed, right, that saw it. It got a good response from the people that saw it. That was one of the most incredible things about our cross-Canada journey is that, you know, one of the things I'm interested in as a filmmaker, though it's not like a number one priority for me, is are people who are not like film people able to, you know, engage with this in the same way that they would with a, you know, a commercial film that they go see at the multiplex? Um, and across the board, people are just saying the only difference between spaces and reservations and a commercial movie that I see is the content. It's not how it looks. It's not how it sounds. It's what kind of movie it is. And it, to me, that was a tremendous, tremendous victory because mm-hmm. then they're engaging with what the movie is about and not, you know, you know, the, the form and the shape that it's taking. Yeah. And we, we talked about this before that it seemed to strike a chord with people like a common experience of the complexity of love and eroticism and all of those things that stress us out and it was interesting too and then it's mentioned here in this article um in beat root magazine of you're, you're kind of this de facto relationship guy in a way now would you say that's that's true like well i i, I don't know like I, I think like my i make films that are about very common experiences to people because when i experience them I feel very lonely. I feel like very by myself and that no one is experiencing them. 
So I think I make things that are about a very common and a very universal thing. And I make them in a, I think, a very realistic and uncontrived sort of way. And so that people kind of go, this is the person who's, you know, I hope that eventually people will feel like this person is making films about my experiences Mm -hmm. from within my culture. And these are things that I can relate to. Because to me, like the worst thing about art and the worst thing about commercial cinema is you go and you go like, where is my life and where is my experience supposed to be hiding in this? Um, And so Joel Dryden is one of the film editors at Beatroot or is the film editor said to me like, yeah, I mean, you're really speaking to these you know, universal generational things that are very particular to our time and place. Mm-hmm. So I hope to be that person. I, yeah. I don't know. Like, <laughs> but I mean, are people, people are coming to you with their relationship stories, essentially. Totally. I mean, yeah. yeah. I mean, I start making the movie from a place of being very lonely. And by the end of the tour, I go, you know, like everyone, everyone deals with this mm-hmm. and everyone feels the same way that you do for their large part. So yeah, definitely. I think people go like, you got my relationship exactly as I remembered it. Mm-hmm. You captured this experience exactly the way I felt it when I did. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I guess it's very affirming as a filmmaker to know that you portrayed it you know, truthfully mm-hmm. and faithfully. So based on your own experience that led to the film and based on what people have said after seeing the film, what's your, and I can't remember if we talked about this before, but what's your take on fidelity and monogamy now? Oh my God, this is such a topic for me right now. You yeah. have no idea. Um, basically, you know, I think we live in a in a highly individualized and very like predatorily self interested culture. That you know, I think by you know quite rightly teaches you to look out for your own interests first, all the all the time. But the thing about being in a relationship is that it really like it demands that you have like an extraordinary degree of selflessness that you really are invested and engaged in the other person while at the same time being like very, very self-aware. And these are difficult things to balance. And, you know, Spaces and Reservations is especially a film about young people. And, uh, you know, I've recently gone through an experience that harkens back to this nightmare that is the two experiences that I've, that inspired Spaces. And basically what people say to me is they say, this is a common thing for young people because they're figuring themselves out they don't know how to be honest with themselves. They don't have the tools with which to communicate effectively with others. And, you know, the relationships are just, you know, you know, they're doomed to screw it up. I don't know if you feel yeah, that way. Well, I, I, I don't mean, know if, if well, I'm quite that cynical. Well, well, I think I'm in my 40s now. So I'd say in my 20s, right? Like you, yeah, you have shorter relationship cycles, essentially. Yeah. Right? And as you get older, I mean, if you develop with somewhat normalcy you tend to have longer relationships but I think you're speaking to the generational thing I mean we're living in a society where we have so much choice and this impression of constant options so it's like maybe there's something better around the next corner and you know in in, in previous history it was like there's a person in your village and and that's it right now it's like this endless choice so people always feel like they need a foot out the door and we're, we're now even wondering are we monogamous or are we needing to have open relationships and neither one seems frankly that good to me yeah it's tough and it's an interesting to talk about in vancouver which is you know purportedly a very like culturally progressive city that you know is all about these open relationships and sexual liberalization and and the notion that you could have multiple partners and and that the the value of your relationships isn't diminished by the multiplicity of them and you know, I, I'm not a sociologist, like, I, I can't, but what I do know, like, personally, is the thing that I value about being in a relationship is feeling unique and feeling special and looking across to another person and know that, 
you know, what we're sharing is not something that they share with someone else. Because mm-hmm. that makes me feel really special. And I think it's a hard thing in this world to feel unique and, and to feel special. And, you know, not everybody wants the same thing. I get that. and I, But I think, you know, it's so important to be not, uh, sorry, honest with people um, about what you do want and where you're at. And I'm sorry, I'm starting to rant because. Yeah, no, it's, it's a just big on topic. my mind. I think yeah. you should write a book. I think you should write a book about, you know, this based on your experience as you collect more experiences. I guess one thing I wanted to talk about and, um, you know, your dedication to taking this on a sort of an indie, well, not sort of like an indie tour across the country and how that went. And, and then you came back quite exhausted. Yeah. And I mean, the you know, the story is not just that I was exhausted, truthfully, um, but that I had an awful experience when I got back and it was very difficult for me to deal with. But I mean, the film tour is it was an incredibly rewarding experience and it was a huge learning experience. Um, and it's wonderful to see this country because this country is amazing. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, I mean, it was really difficult and it was it's not something that I would do again or I would recommend others do again because <laughs> DIY audience building for uh, a movie that is for like a very particular group of young people who are so inundated with, you know, cultural demands of all kinds who are, you know, not active consumers. They're not active politically. Like it, it's so hard to engage them. And it's, you know, like a small little project like this really needs them not just to show up to a theater even, but to engage with a project for a duration. And uh, I, I just found DIY audience building for that age, particularly in cinema, I, I, I really don't know if you can do that without, mm-hmm. you know, a healthy dose of like middlemen, you know, the media and uh, film critics and festivals and things like that to, to sway people in your direction. Mm-hmm. So when you did connect with people, it was great, but getting people out was like, it's kind of, it sounds like it's not the best option for promoting your film. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, like when it worked and when you did manage a connection with people, I mean, I think like the movie speaks for itself. It the the connect people's reactions to the movie spoke for themselves. And I, I just felt like the whole way along, if I could just get people in the theater to watch it and be open to the experience, they would be really moved and mm-hmm. they would be really surprised because people don't know there are alternatives for film out there, that movies are being made in their community and mm-hmm. they're not just coming from the netherworld that is hollywood or wherever you know um but yeah it's it's you know we didn't succeed Mm -hmm. and you know i wouldn't recommend it i wouldn't do it again yeah Yeah. you know it made me laugh a bit because i did a a tour an indie tour it was a band you know i mean lots of people do but across canada in the year 2000 and i spent so much money and i came back broke exhausted ended up in the psych ward like it can just it can just ruin you right it's just such a brutal haul so i i feel your pain you know oh man i'm so glad you can relate to this experience (laughs) especially being in the psych ward yeah (laughs) that makes total sense to me yeah um but um you know when you were here last you were like "Mm, i don't want to put it into the film festivals but it sounds like people encouraged you to do so yeah i spoke to a couple of people on the way who are you know industry savvy enough and they were kind of going i understand why you're concerned about sending this to a film festival because of the length and because it's very low concept and there's no names in it essentially um but they said i I wouldn't let the ship sail on it because i have seen this kind of movie at a film festival and although it's really rare and i mean Submitting to film festivals is like playing the lottery. They said it might be worth playing the lottery if I wanted to do the American side of things because we talked about doing a tour down the California coast in a similar fashion, and 
you know, I'm just like, I'm out of money. I got to get back to my job. I have another project that I want to write. And uh, I don't know. You just can't, you can't keep doing that, Mm -hmm. especially when we had, you know, as little success as we did Mm -hmm. in the markets where I didn't have an audience already built for me. Right. Yeah. But, you know, if anyone can do it in terms of getting it out to the film festival, it's you, because I think, you know, you're very passionate, you're a very hard worker. And and so when you regain your energy, you might have a second win for this film, but I know you're also very excited to move on to next projects. And I really see a very successful future for you because of your passion and your skill in making films. And I wanted to play a song for you. I thought about this, um, a song that I thought might be appropriate and is sort of a favorite of mine. Yay. Um, And it's quite a tender song, I guess. And it's called Go Places and by the new pornographers from their album Challengers. So here we go. It is. It gets quieter in a second. Okay, right. Okay, here we go. So thanks for coming on the show, Brendan. Thanks for having me back, Sarah. Okay, awesome. step too far Come the morning and the four corners I see What the moral of the backstory could be Come with me Go places And a heart will always stay one
CITR presents the return of early aughts power poppers, the Mark Kleiner Power Trio, featuring members of the New Pornographers, Flash Bastard, and Jungle, plus Zed Dreplin, East Vancouver's premier Dread Zeppelin tribute act. Friday, August 15th, at the Fox Cabaret. Early show starting at 7.30 p.m. sharp. It's not the way she called my name When she called me on the phone Advance tickets at Red Cat and Zulu. All proceeds go to Syrian refugee support. Queer Arts Festival, Regenerations, takes place in Vancouver from July 23rd to August 9th at the Roundhouse. This annual celebration brings together queer art from 27 nations, featuring 18 days of compelling exhibitions, transformative performances, and inspiring workshops. Experience the revolutionary power of art through cross-generational collaborations, artistic healing, and works of art from around the world. Tickets are now on sale at Little Sisters on Davie Street and online. Visit QueerArtsFestival.com. Regenerations. Dare to be challenged. Risk being changed. Hi, this is Sarah. You're listening to CITR 101.9 FM's The Arts Report. And we are here with our fabulous arts reporter, Rohit. And you've invited an esteemed guest today. So why don't you tell us about him? Yeah, uh, to my right over here, uh, I have a wonderful gentleman who I've known now for practically a year and a bit. His name is John Ori, and uh, he's part of a lovely band. They are funkadelic, as I like to say. Uh, John, introduce yourself and the band you call Jaguar. That was a beautiful intro. Uh, my name is John. I'm the singer and I'm the saxophonist for the local funk and soul band, Funkadelic. I like that. Uh, Jaguar. Uh, we're a seven piece. Um, we got a horn section of three and a rhythm section of four. And uh, we just finished our debut EP not too long ago. Recorded that out uh, at Creative Studios, studios with this cat named Jamie Cuse, who I happen to be related to, who's incredibly, incredibly talented, and uh, getting ready to, ready to release that on August first. Very excited! Literally on Friday. That is two days from now. I just realized how time flies. And and give us like the process of how you got to be involved with Jaguar. How did Jaguar come together? Okay. Um, well, uh, Jaguar is, we're less than a year old at this point still. Mm-hmm. We're, we're coming up on that one year anniversary. Um, we actually came together as a bit of a jam band to fill a spot with uh, Rob Morton's calendar event he had going on at Fortune. Yeah, in case people don't know, Rob Morton, uh, he's kind of like known as the party organizer at UBC. He always uh, gets UBC uh, bands and UBC acts to play at local venues. Uh, and that's kind of how Jaguar got its start, eh? Yeah, totally. So we came out of that <clears throat> and uh it was it was kind of a band that got thrown together out of a couple different projects that we'd uh we'd shared a, we'd shared the same stage over a night previously. Um and we just kind of decided to go from there and we had a ton of fun. Um and you know, we added some people, we made a few changes and and we've kind of come to where we are today and who we recorded with and uh I mean, it's we've been through a lot of changes. We, you know, I was looking and looking through pictures, and it feels like I'm one of the only cats who's in all the pictures from day one. <laughs> but uh, it's uh, it's been a ton of fun, man. We're so happy with who we have on board right now, and I feel like every time we step on on stage, it's it's better than I imagined. So, oh man, that's that's great to hear, and I can attest that when these guys step onto the stage, magic happens. Uh, <laughs> because frankly, all the tracks you guys have um, that you you've you've played like a basically the greatest hits in my opinion of funk and i was gonna ask like how did how is it that a collective of you know people are in our age group like 22 20 years old like 
uh, and what have you. How do you guys all kind of unite over funk? I mean, did you beforehand kind of were you guys friends and had similar music interests or did one person kind of introduce it to the others and preach it almost like a evangelical <laughs> the funk preacher yeah um i don't know it kind of came at first it was like this whole thing where we all just it's a ton of it's music's a ton of fun to play funk mm-hmm. music's a ton of fun to play um and i think we'd all seen just how well people reacted when you start playing funk music and soul music and, mm-hmm. and the people tend to go crazy for it so it feels like our job is a heck of a lot easier yeah um but uh you know as we were looking to bring people on board you know we at first we were like oh we got to bring so and so you know he's got all this funk and um i think we're kind of united under this feeling that that funk is just as much about having a great time and yeah. and, and you know that whole less is more and you can get into some of the philosophy of it but um, I think the reason that we we do what we do so well is because we all just love playing music with one another, and funk music is just so much fun to play. Yeah, no, absolutely. It, you can't have a bad time playing funk. You can't help but sh- you know nod your head, tap your toes, and I myself, I'm not I'm not much of a dancer, but when I hear that <laughs> funk music play, like I can't help but start moving and grooving. And I feel like people, you guys, might have very well introduced people to a lot of funk music do you ever get that after shows like oh thank you guys i had never heard this i had never heard the funk before like was it a revelation to some of the um, crowds and audiences yeah you come across people where they're oh i didn't know that i knew the name ray charles i didn't know this was so much fun and mm-hmm. um and the thing that i always say to people is if you knew the name coming to the show you already knew the name it's great you know yeah. like if you're coming here and you knew ray charles coming in that's you know, awesome it's we could be doing our best ray charles impression but we're nowhere near ray so mm-hmm. it's uh, it's cool to kind of feel like we're exposing some of these people to to some of this awesome music. And now, you know, we're looking a lot more at, at some of the stuff we've written and we've put together yeah. of our own stuff. Um, so now it's kind of this feeling where we're trying to inter- we're trying to say, you know, if you like this, you know, try this because this is where mm-hmm. we came from on this track. And I think one of the ones I brought today is uh, it's like a huge tip of the hat to D'Angelo because that's somebody that myself in particular I, I'm in I'm in love with, and the rest of us too. So. You know, we it's definitely about trying to expose people and, and bring back some stuff that we were fortunate enough to hear. You know what I mean? Yeah. And grow up with and make a basically part of your musical endeavors. So let's let us actually talk about what's the first track that you're <clears throat> going to show us off your Jaguar EP. So this uh, this first track is called uh, it's called Nightstand. Um, and it's a tune that uh, the keyboard player in, in Jaguar, Johnny and I. So it was John and Johnny got together to write this one. Mm-hmm. Um and, uh, you know, I kind of came in, I had an idea that I wanted to do, I wanted to sing something that was in 6-8, and I wanted it to be really smooth. And I said that to Johnny, and I said, give me 6-8, give me smooth, and he took the worst directions on earth and, and turned it into a really beautiful song. And so uh, I put the lyrics to it, um, and this is something that, uh, it was a bit of a, it was it was kind of a hard slog trying to get this one together for the studio, because trying to get everybody on the same page on a tune like this can be a bit of a struggle. But uh, it's just about, um, you know, what it's like to feel really connected with somebody that you love and somebody that you care for and and what it's like to you know you can be in a crowd but you always want to be alone with them you know what i mean beautiful man all right so this is a nightstand by jaguar off their latest self-entitled ep enjoy
So that was Jaguar with their uh, debut track off their latest self-titled EP. It's called Nightstand, their first track on the EP. And that was some beautiful, beautiful music right there, John. So uh, Sarah had a question in, in the break time, and that was how to define funk. Uh, Sarah, what, what do you think, uh, uh, like what is your interpretation? And then maybe we'll let John speak on the matter. Well, just as a lay person, I guess it would be like funk is like hip swiveling, backbeat kind of groove, right? Yeah. Versus head banging, four yeah. four, <laughs> right? Am I right? Yeah, it's got. I think it's got. I think good funk has less of that. I mean, it can the 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 beat can be like that four on the floor thing. I think that kind of drives through the whole twentieth century, but. Um, you get a lot more syncopation you hear, especially in the guitar. You know, that was, I think, you hear early funk music, man. Guys were going crazy just trying to figure out these rhythms that people were doing. Um, so it's got a lot of really tight guitar work. Um, you know, got to have those big, those big, huge horns to really pull off mm-hmm. um, off soul music. And I'm fortunate to play with two dudes who got amazing sounds. <laughs> um, and then a lot of it, I think, is is about, you know, it's about that hips. Like you said, you know, you got you to gotta keep your hips moving. You know, even if you can't dance, it doesn't matter. You got to dance a little bit. Um as far as getting into like musically and, and theoretically what funk is, that's a tricky one. Mm-hmm. Um, I can say from a saxophonist point of view, you get into a lot of, for me, it really some interesting keys. You start playing an F sharp and stuff like that. But uh, it's, um, I guess to us, I think what funk means is more, it's that feeling you get when you hear really great funk music, you know, you got to dance and I'm a terrible dancer. <laughs> and for a dude that stands at the front of a, <laughs> in front of the front of a stage <laughs> for a, for like for a passion, I am a terrible dancer. And it's just about you know having a really great time and, and, and seeing everybody moving and dancing, even if they maybe don't feel like they're the best at it. You have a very nice voice as well. <laughs> thank you. Thank he did you. say he would get his NPR on. So. <laughs> yeah. I don't even know what that means. My <laughs> national public radio. Yeah, yeah. He, he, you truly brought that NPR voice to the, to the forte, to the forefront today. Um, so from that first nightstand track, I mean, I was getting... This was more of like a slow jam, if anything. It was like an ode to love. How did uh, how how did you guys feel when making that track? Like, were you guys um, like, we need that, we need that love track, or like, <laughs> how, just out of curiosity? I, I think that one's been around. That's that's probably like as far as the the age of the song. It's the oldest one on the EP. That one's mm-hmm. that one's been around the longest. Um, and I think when that came out, we were everybody in the band was in a similar situation where we all like were kind of feeling in love with one another as musicians, but also with people in our lives. So. Um, we kind of brought that to that song and it, it was, it's all about, I mean, it's a love song. I mean, perhaps in a slightly different, <laughs> uh, slightly different sense than, you know, some classic love songs, mm-hmm. but it, it's, it's a love song at the end of the day, I think. Awesome. 
So what have we got lined up for your second track? This one is totally different. Um, <laughs> so for all that, when we were like looking at that 90s like R&B, neo-soul thing. D'Angelo, you said, yeah, was a big influence huge there. influence with that one. Um, uh, this one, we kind of went back to New Orleans and another group that I know we're super influenced by, which is Snarky Puppy. They're, they're ridiculous. If you haven't heard Snarky Puppy, I can't recommend it <laughs> enough. Um, but uh, so they have a really awesome track called Quartermaster, and we love this whole like Nolans feel they had going on, <laughs> and uh, we wanted to write a track about that. Um, and uh, it's even in the content as well. It's kind of a stark contrast to the last song. It's it's a, kind of about keeping getting someone out of your life. So getting someone out of your life. Yeah, right. the song's called <laughs> Get Up, Get Out. Um, so All it's, right, uh, totally uh, yeah. different. Now maybe if we play this one, that'll be it for the arts report. Sure, this time, but uh, we'll do a little bit of info about where you can catch Jaguar exactly. at the very end of this track. Okay, so. so we'll play this track first. Get up, get out. Yeah. Yeah. But like stay it. tuned. <laughs> get up, get out, stay tuned. Here's Jaguar. Here we go again. Maybe not see if I can make it go forward search track two here we go no this is where I'm feeble here a little bit of technical errors right now guys keep talking (laughs) all right all right while while Sarah the uh, figures out the technical workings of the song I think what we should talk about is um yeah the future of Jaguar let's uh uh, I would say today, the world, tomorrow, Mars. But uh, <laughs> if, I was, if I was being realistic, um, you know, I think we're just looking. You know, uh, we've been fortunate. We've been playing. You know, we've been playing a lot of really popular shows, and, and we've been very fortunate in that sense. And uh, we're definitely looking to kind of branch out geographically. Um, looking at a lot of festivals as well for next year, um, and uh, just trying to really get in front of people more this year. Um, we've had such an awesome reaction uh, for the shows we've been doing. Um, mm-hmm. and, uh, we'd love to try to, you know, hit up some places, you know, we've done a, a little bit of work in Squamish. Um, we did, uh, we played at the Squamish wind festival just last week. Oh, how um, was that? Oh, it was a ton of fun, man. It yeah. Ton, yeah. It's, I mean, it's, it's Squamish. So it's like, you look around and everything's beautiful. Gorgeous scenery. Yeah. Right. <laughs> and it's, it's such a, it's a, it's a huge contrast to the, cl- mm-hmm. the kind of clubs we normally play in where, you know, you don't really see the audience. It's really dark, mm-hmm. but you get a great view and, you know, there's mountains behind everything. Um, so we want to try to get back up in, into Squamish for sure. Um, definitely want to get up through Whistler. Mm-hmm. Um, there's, there's some awesome venues up in Whistler we'd love to hit up. Um, and, you know, definitely going south from there and kind of east from here. So uh, <laughs> it's uh, there's I lots of stuff it. to see. Oh, oh so yeah. here we go. Get here up, we go. get out. Stay tuned. <laughs> If I die before I wake, I wind up floating on top of a lake. You ought to know just who it was. It's clear as gin, this sin alone is hers. It's clear as gin, this sin alone is hers. Maybe it's time to say goodbye. Wash the hands of all your lies. 
before you tell your friends I didn't try. Well, get on up and get out of my life. Well, brother, I'm telling you, well, you should have heard. I ripped her off like a bandage, couldn't say a word. Well, on my word, what did you say? This isn't just the kind of news that I need today. Cause my old woman, she's been breaking me down. I think she calls a bunch of brothers when I'm not around. I follow my lead, can't tell her straight. I wipe that she didn't grin right off of her face. Oh, wipe that she didn't grin right off of her face. Maybe it's time to say goodbye. Wash your hands for her lies. Before you catch up with some other guy Get on up and get out of her life Maybe it's time to say goodbye Wash your hands up all her life Before you catch up with some other guy Yeah.
And I hope you didn't get up or get out uh, <laughs> of your seats because <laughs> that was amazing. And that was, like you said, John, a complete contrast from the nightstand track uh, that we had just heard prior to this one. But uh, I felt I felt like very energetic, very energized and i felt very much like i was part of a congregation (laughs) (laughs) well like that's that's a huge part of the of the vibe we were going for we talked for a long time with that song we wanted to do this whole big intro where one of us would would be recorded as if we were this preacher in front of our congregation of brothers and we'd say oh has your woman got you down and we'd have some you know some stirring chords on the organ and carry on um, and we ended up kind of moving away from that just because it takes a long time to do that. Um, that so intro section alone. It, it's, a, yeah. it's a very long process. <laughs> um, but uh, it, it's kind of it has that feel, you know, from you know, it's from one man to another who's been in who's been in that position. You know, let yeah. me tell you, this is what I did. And <laughs> so it's yeah, it's it's that congregation. And, then, and yeah, like, I was telling you mentioning this before about how you you kept the congregation though in there like in the in the (laughs) in the track so it has that live feel as if you're playing in front of the crowds but i i think that adds to it a lot like that's yeah well we added that in for we 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 recorded that um for one section and then we decided it was it was kind of cool and added Mm -hmm. a lot of atmosphere so we kept it through most of the song um, or I think it actually it plays. I don't know if you can hear it all the time. Um, I've been pounding it, trying to listen for defects because I'm I'm a perfectionist and I can hear it at times. Mm-hmm. But uh, so it's I mean it's the whole thing, right? It's it's again I think it's kind of what we interpret funk to be. It's just a ton of fun, you know, trying to get people dancing and moving. So that's uh you know that's the that's the final track on the EP. Uh, you can hear that little soundbite. It's actually me at the end saying that's all we got to say, totally by accident. Um, <laughs> and it was so we felt it was faded, so we kept it in there. Oh, that's awesome. So now we're coming to the end of our show, unfortunately, but we will be able to tell you where you can catch some more Jaguar. So first things first, EP debuts August 1st. Coming out August 1st. And where can we find your EP, John? Man, all over the place. So we're going to be having that. um, It's, of course, going to be on a place like Bandcamp. Um, We're going to be throwing that up on SoundCloud. Um, As well, we're going to be looking at a a place like iTunes. So if you Mm -hmm. feel moved to donate money to us and and kind of (laughs) help our struggle, um, you can buy it through iTunes. But we're going to give it away for free. Of course. Um, We just love people to hear this. Um, And then as far as shows, we got a couple of things coming up. it sounds like on, uh, I, I heard a rumor, I heard a rumor, this is very unofficial, <laughs> August 6th, uh, we're going to be doing some stuff downtown, so if you oh, ch- nice. so it's it's not at a venue, I can tell you that right now, it's not at a venue, but we're going to be doing some stuff downtown, it sounds like, so mm. um, anybody who's interested, you can follow us for that, um, and then... Uh, and where, where can people follow you? Uh, you got a Facebook page, I know yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, so it's it's just Facebook, facebook.com slash Jaguar the Funk Band. Jaguar um, the Funk Band, all yeah. in one. All one word, and you can yeah. you can search it up too if you're if you're so inclined. If you search up Jaguar, I'm sure mm-hmm. it'll come up. Um, and then uh, I guess as an individual, you and I have have at least one thing coming up. Oh yeah, I I hate <laughs> to be shameless, but yes, uh, uh, yeah. I I uh, me and John here are pretty good friends, and we have jammed together. And as a result, our two bands are actually combining forces at the backstage lounge uh, on August 9th. It's a Saturday. Yes, so. Yeah. This is going to be a really exciting venture for us because not only is Class Act going to do its freestyle uh, freestyle thing, which is us getting the crowd to suggest topics, but we're going to collaborate with Jaguar and do kind of like a 90s tribute. Yeah. So the, the yeah, so the ninth is like it's 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 some homies from Jaguar. So we um mm-hmm. we couldn't all make it unfortunately. We really wanted to do it, we couldn't all make it. 
um, and we still really wanted to get down. So um, we've had class act before a couple times, and I the question I always get after is is you know was somebody in there feeding them those topics? Did they prepare that? No. <laughs> It's real. It's actually off the dome. And it, people, they think I'm a liar every time. So I'm always nervous bringing you guys to show because people think I'm lying <laughs> to them. That's because MC Wise Guy's a genius. And yes. he's so cute. He's, there you go. Sarah attests. I have a crush on MC Wise Guy. Everybody has a crush on MC. MC Wise Guy's from Mars. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm, of a, I'm of the belief he's not from this planet. But uh, August, I guess the next time they can come out here, and we're going to be doing a couple songs off the EP that night. So Dope. Uh, August 9th, and then uh, we got August 6th as well at a, at a secret location to be To be announced. revealed. TBA. Yeah. All right. Thank you, John. And thank you, Sarah, for having me. Uh, you've been listening to CITR 101.9, The Arts Report. Uh, tune in. Uh, f- uh, f- what's up well, next? Next actually? week, okay. Yeah. Well, Anita B is in at six thirty. We're uh, playing yes. in a band together. We're starting a new girl band. Oh, don't Anita no B. Way. Yeah, because we're like, we're just like, want a new chapter in our lives of rocking. Of so course, we're awesome. Very excited. She's playing bass. I'm playing guitar. So yeah, yeah. we're gonna have a little meeting before six thirty. Um, <laughs> but next week, the art support is back on at five. Mm-hmm. I am away on vacation so Rohit and Sahara are going to take over and I'm yeah. not sure what you've planned but you can get planning we will get planning <laughs> perhaps it will be something like a jam session <laughs> hint hint <laughs> right <laughs> and the following week uh, which will be the 13th we'll have Mark Kleiner on yeah awesome on the 15th yeah. CITR is sponsoring that one yeah the following week the, I think it's the 23rd or the 21st I'm gonna have Peach and Fuzz she's this hmm. burlesque dancer who's like the Ooh, most la la. beautiful Ooh. woman I've ever met I'm like what do women want because I will give it to her <laughs> vacations jewels dinners out like it, it, so yeah. right, I'm gonna make sure to sit in on yeah, that you better. Yeah. <laughs> it's gonna get hopefully steamy but uh anyway we've just gone like we've just ran with it normally yeah. have UBC arts on air but uh just technical problems prevented that but they'll be back in a couple weeks and then they'll be back for real in september so john you've got super talent i i predict big things for you for Mm -hmm. sure i'm i'm one of seven man i can't stress that enough like Mm -hmm. i'm i'm the one there's a physical constraint with the studio (laughs) being the size it is but i'm i'm one of seven we have um there's six other absolutely incredible musicians that, that just blow me out of the water on a lot of stuff so it's i can only imagine when it sounds live like yeah party well, come check August 6th. That's all I'm going to say for now. That's all I, I actually can say. But August 